Super Talk Mississippi Media Production. You can wrap this one, my friend, in maroon and white. Ten seconds, nine, eight, seven, six, five, four, three, two, one. Bingo! You're listening to Thunder and Lightning on Super Talk Mississippi. Covering Mississippi State sports like nobody else. You know that last hour of work before you take a vacation? That's where I am. I like half one to be wearing sunglasses and a Hawaiian shirt. I'm not going anywhere. I'm just... It's the last hour of work. It's Thunder and Lightning. Super Talk Mississippi. I'm Brian Hayat. Thanks for joining me here on a Wednesday evening. Rhino down there in uh, Studio X in Jackson holding down the fort, making sure everything runs as smooth as butter. Always glad to have him there. and glad to have you guys here along with me at supertalk.fm, Supertalk TV, your Supertalk app, your Supertalk affiliate, wherever you are. Ooh, they, they, they added a little thing to the, uh, look at that, a little thing there. Well, then if you're watching Supertalk TV, there's the text line right there, 601-879-4395. That's the C Spire text line. If you want to uh, participate with me, you got something to say? Let's do it. Mississippi State football. I know, guys. I, I'm kind of, I'm kind of getting worn out. Only two more games to go. One of them is the biggest game of the year. Uh, but this Mississippi State team, these last four weeks, they've been tough to watch. Uh, another loss. Obviously, you would expect to lose to Georgia, number one team in the nation, 45-19. Had some moments in that game. Showed some fight, but by and large, it's just another loss for, for Mississippi State. They've now lost three of their last four. And I, I decided to finally sit down today and take a look at the stats first half of the season to the last four weeks, and it's really something to look at it, to really to put the numbers right there. So let's just we're just going to go through them, and then we're going to see if we can find a solution. I don't know if there is one, but if, if we find it, if we come across it, we're going we're to pass it along up the chain of command. But State, look at their first six games. Here's the offensive numbers. 547 yards against Memphis, 49 points. 426 yards, 39 points on Arizona. Obviously, you drop back against LSU, 289 and 16. Then 465, 45 points on Bowling Green, 473 and 42 on Texas A&M, 568, best performance of the year, and 40 points on the Arkansas Razorbacks. State's 5-1. and one. They're ranked in the top, uh, what, they were 16th, I think is what they got up to. And you're thinking, okay, obviously tough games remaining with Alabama, and with uh, Georgia, but this team has a real chance to win nine. And then the Kentucky game happens. And we've learned over the past few weeks that Kentucky is not a good football team. They lost to Vanderbilt last week. But Kentucky did something defensively. Added a couple of guys to the box. Brought a little more pressure than perhaps Will Rogers was expecting based off the film. And then look at these numbers these last four games. 225 yards, 17 points on Kentucky. 293 and 6 on Alabama. And before you say, well, that's Alabama, look at Alabama's defense this year. Look at the the points they've given up. In the SEC games, Alabama gave up 26 to Arkansas. So Arkansas got 26 on them. A&M got 20. 
Tennessee got 52. LSU got 32. Ole Miss got 24. And then you have State and Vanderbilt with 6 and 3, respectively. So everybody but Vanderbilt got points on this Alabama defense. State only got 6 in that game. Uh, Then you have the Auburn game, 39 points, 370 yards. Do you think 39? Okay, that's good. Yeah, but, and kind of a yeah, but with the 17 on the Kentucky. And, 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 you know, yeah, but with the 42 they had on A&M. There's some defensive touchdowns. But against Auburn, you know, you have a uh, a really short field. You took over, I think, the 20 off their turnover on downs. And then you have a kickoff return for a touchdown. So if you watch that game, you know that 39 points is not indicative of how the offense played in that game. Plus it went into overtime. And then last week, 308 and 19 against Georgia. What a drop-off. What a precipitous drop-off. And what bothers me is that I don't know what the solution is, and it doesn't seem like it doesn't seem like Mike Leach has a solution either. Because if he had one, he would have tried to put it into place by now, I would think. I can't you can't convince me. You can't tell me that, well, teams are defending this team differently. I, I will agree with that. Because if you go back and watch the A&M and Arkansas games, there was a lot of rush three and drop eight. And that Will Rogers was able to stand in the pocket. He wasn't sacked in either one of those games. State ran the ball for 144 yards on A&M and 162 on Arkansas. They were rolling. But if you're going to tell me that, well, they put a couple extra guys in the box, okay, well, what's the counter? I remember back to Leach's first season when Arkansas first threw out the rush three, drop eight, and he made the comment about, guys, if this was the the way to stop the offense, I would have been out of the business a long time ago. I've seen this before. We we can beat it. And it took some time, but they eventually got to the point where, yeah, they were were smoking teams for rushing three and dropping eight. Now teams are dropping or bringing five, bringing six in the box. They're playing a little more man coverage. They're putting pressure on Will Rogers and, and daring him to beat them over the top. And he's not been able to do it thus far. So what's the counter? Because if this is what stops the offense, well, then what are we going to do? What's going to be the solution? There's no way around that. And if you're going to tell me, well, we're just going to keep doing what we're doing, that's not an acceptable answer. Because what you're doing is going to get you beat against Ole Miss. It's probably going to get you beat in your bowl game. And it's going to sell 10,000 season tickets next year. Because nobody wants to show up to watch a team that they can't move the football. You know, you hired Mike Leach as an offensive coach. You expect offense. I've said this a million times on the Thunder and Lightning podcast that if State was losing these games 48-46, if they were losing these games because the defense couldn't stop anybody, you would just throw your hands up in the air and go, you know what, you hired Mike Leach to fix the offense and he's doing it. They just got to get a little better defensively and they're going to be fine. But when in year three of this offense, with the amount of returning starters that Mike Leach had, you're going to finish averaging you know, on the season, you're probably going to finish under 30 points per game. And before anybody says, well, 28 points a game, 28 points per game was a lot of points per game in 1987. It is 2022. That is not a lot of points per game anymore. You need to be over 30. You need to be well over 30. Last last you know few games, 17-6. The 39 is great, and then 19. We talked about the rushing numbers last week. State carried the ball 36 times against uh, Arkansas. They carried the ball from a run. I'm talking about does running back carries. I'm not worried about Will, Will Rogers in the sacks. 
It was 38 carries total against Kentucky, Alabama, and Auburn. I believe you could add 14 carries to that total. I'm pretty sure that number's right because Rodgers was only sacked one time. So, what, 38 and 14 is 52? So 52 carries in the last four games as opposed to 36 carries against Arkansas. If you combine Arkansas and A&M, it's 50 carries. So two carries, 50 game, or two games, 50 carries, uh, four games, 52 carries. But you've just given up on running the football. It's not the teams are stopping the run. It would be one thing if you were running the ball 20, 25 times and only getting 50, 60 yards. You're just not even trying to run the football. Despite the fact that the first half of the season, you saw what running the football was doing for your offense. You ran it 34 times against Memphis, and you were able to throw for 450 yards. You ran it 24 times for 106 yards against Arizona. You threw for 320 yards, 40 of 49 passing. Very efficient. Four touchdowns, 39 points. Bowling Green, Bowling Green's Bowling Green. You can do whatever you want on them. But A&M and Arkansas, you were great running the football. So if what defenses are doing to you is different, then what you need to be doing to them has to be different. You can't say, well, they changed, but we're not going to, when the results are this. Not acceptable. And I don't like that word. I don't like to use the word acceptable, because acceptable means there's consequence, right? If I tell my kids, hey, that's unacceptable behavior, what it means is if you do that again, you're going to be in trouble. You're going to have something taken away from you that you like. There's going to be a punishment. So when I say this is unacceptable, what's the punishment? I mean, I'm not going to tell Leach he doesn't get paid this week. Because punishment can be he can be on time for the press conference. I don't know. This is rough. I, I don't recall seeing an offense just grind to a halt midseason without a major injury. I know they missed LaQuinston Sharp for a couple games, and Dylan Johnson's not 100% right now. But that's no reason for, for this. That's There's no reason for the offense to have fallen apart the way it has since they played Kentucky. That's rough. And, and Mike Leach has this game to try to work some kinks out, get, get Will Rogers in the layup lane to, to score a couple easy buckets and maybe get some confidence back. Because then you're going to go to Oxford, and you have to win. You have to win. There's no way around that. If you lose that game, I'm going to spend the entire offseason explaining why this is this is going to be it. You're going to be on a countdown clock if you lose that game. And that's not me talking. That's your, that's your season ticket holders talking. I promise you that. We're going to talk about Ole Miss and the Egg Bowl when we come back. But it's time to start, start moving ahead and looking at the biggest game of the year. This is Thunder and Lightning, Super Talk Mississippi. We'll be back in just a minute. Mississippi. Listen up! There is a storm coming!
Thunder and Lightning here on Super Talk Mississippi. I forgot I had to turn the volume down because I sneezed. I didn't want to just put that in Rhino's ear. Rhino, I'm thinking of you all the time. What I was saying, though, is if you want to hear the podcast, you missed the podcast, you missed this show, or you want to hear some of the interviews we do, they're all available on the Thunder and Lightning podcast feed. Just subscribe wherever you get podcasts from, or just check it out every day at supertalk.fm. You can also find all the other great podcasts we do here at Supertalk, the Rebel Report, the Eagle Hour, the Sports Talk Mississippi podcast. Nobody covers sports like Supertalk, and by the way, they don't cost you nothing either. Eight days from this moment in time, almost, we will be ten minutes to kick off for the battle for the Golden Egg, the Egg Bowl, the State Ole Miss game, call it whatever you want in Oxford. I will be there, of course. Uh, Richard Cross will be there on the sidelines covering for the Ole Miss Rebels. And from a Mississippi State perspective, and I talked about this some on Tuesday's uh, Thunder and Lightning podcast, I, I'm trying to remember an Egg Bowl with the off-the-field ramifications of this one. I don't think this one, I don't think the 2019 one was as big. Because, and I'll, I'll tell you, and I ended up being wrong, you know, long-term, because of, of some things that I didn't, you know, I couldn't have predicted on the day of the Egg Bowl. But I honestly didn't believe Moorhead was going to get fired at the end of that Egg Bowl. I did not I did not believe into that. Did not buy into it. And then when he came out in the press conference and started punching the table and talking about kicking rocks and pounding sand, I knew, I was like, he, this guy's not getting fired. He's, he's, he's good for another year. And then you have some off-the-field stuff happen, and your star quarterback gets punched in the face, and what can you do? So, you know, go back further. What, 17? Mullins out the door? I don't know that, you know, the, the off-the-field implications were really huge for State. It's not like if State had won, Mullen was going to have a change of heart. And 14? That's not really off the field, first and foremost. If you talk about, you know, state, if they had won, it could have gone to the playoff, possibly. I don't think that they would have, but that's, that's on the field. So, so where are we, where are we here? 09? 08? You know, 08. And I talked about this. 08 is, you know, state comes to Oxford. And when I got to Oxford that day, I didn't have any thought that Sylvester Croom was in real trouble. It was, it had been a bad season. It had been a bad tenure. But I didn't have the thought process that, okay, this is Croom's last game. And then as the game was played and State just fell further and further behind and looked more and more hapless in doing so, I started to get the idea that, like, it might be tough to come back from this. And then I started getting word, getting texts, like, there are people holding up signs that say, fire Croom, and I'm just like, all right, well, we'll see. And then, you know, a couple days later, he's gone. 9 the off the field is that you felt like at that moment Ole Miss was starting to get away from you a little bit, and maybe there's a maybe there's a similarity to be drawn, but it's it's a little different because Mullins in his first year, not his third year. But you've got you know Houston Nutt has had back to back really good seasons at Ole Miss. They're ranked. They beat LSU. He makes the uh, there's you know pr- recruits know which programs on the rise in this state. Mullins beats Ole Miss, throws that right back into Nutt's face on the field. Still one of the most improbable moments I've ever seen. They handed the coach the mic after the game. <laughs> That's something you, you don't see that very often. Um, and that's a day where Mississippi State fans felt, okay, now the balance of power may be shifting back towards Mississippi State. Couldn't have predicted at that moment in time that Ole Miss was going to fall apart the way they did the next two years. And that State was going to kind of, you know, 
kind of take off. They had a huge year in, in 2010, and then 2011 was a step back. But, you know, the seeds were being planted there. So that's sort of where you are here. If State loses the football game, if they finish 7-5 and five for the second straight season, the, the Mike Leach bandwagon, which, we, you know, we, the famous uh, video they did after the first game, the LSU game, it's going to have Mike Leach and his family on it, and I don't know who else will be there. Some diehards, because there are some folks out there who, you know, for whatever reason, have a deeper bond with the employees of the university than the actual university. Never get that. I never understand it. But there's not going to be a lot of support for Mike Leach out there if he loses this uh, this, fo- this football game on next Thursday. They're just not. On the other hand, there's a flip side of that coin, as uh, Neil McCauley once said. If he wins the game, and he finishes 8-4, and four, and he beats Ole Miss, and he beats Lane Kiffin, then I would say that his support would be at a really all-time level, maybe higher, the highest it's been since he beat LSU in that first game. Because you've, you've improved upon last season, you've beaten your in-state rival, at 8-4, and four, you're probably going to go to a pretty decent bowl game. If you can win that, now we're playing the what-if game here, obviously. You win that and you're 9-4, and four, you're going to finish in the top 20? How can you, only the only the crazies, the opposites of the people I just described, the people who were on the never-leech bandwagon, the people who just want to be miserable at that point, would be against him. This is a massive game for Mike Leach going forward. I will tell you this. I will make this prediction. If Leach loses this game, you can start a countdown clock to next year's Egg Bowl, and that's going to be the last one. I believe that. Don't like it, but I believe it. But if he wins, everything's different. Gray skies are going to clear up, put on a happy face. Can he win? It's going to be tough. It's going to be really tough. First off, the weather forecast does not look great for air raid offense. It's supposed to rain. The other thing that concerns me is that rain helps a ground-based a ground offense, which is what Ole Miss has. And State, quite honestly, is not a great rush defense. They're just not. So I feel like Ole Miss is going to move the ball on Mississippi State. And then if State gets the kind of offense it's been getting these last four games, no chance. No chance for victory if you're going to hand the ball off ten times. And throw it 50. No chance for victory. So what's going to happen? You know? For Will Rogers, this is a uh this is this is kind of a legacy game for him. I don't know. I, I was thinking about this earlier, and if some of some folks who, who might remember longer have longer memories than me want to get in on this and, and text us on the ceasefire text line, 601-879-4395. I don't remember a quarterback being 0-3 as a starter in the egg bowl. Dak was 0-2, but he did get the win when he came in in relief in 2013. But as far as 0-3 as a starter, I mean, I'm sure there's some, especially, you know, you look back in the old days. But none's coming to mind. That's that's, that's a bitter pill to swallow. Do I think State's going to win the game? No. Right now, if I had to make my prediction, I would say no. And it's interesting, right? Because State's going to come into this game 7-4. and four. They're going to beat this FCS team this weekend. Same record as a year ago, right? Ole Miss? We'll see what happens this weekend. They could, I feel like this game is kind of a toss-up. So does Vegas. It's only a two-point spread. 
But Ole Miss will come in with either the same record as they did a year ago, or maybe a game worse. And yet, I, I think Ole Miss will probably be from a, anywhere from a 7 to 10 point favorite. Ten's a little high, but I could easily see them being a touchdown favorite. And last year, you know, State was, don't forget, State was favored in that game, which was incredible to me. Ole Miss was the underdog, despite the fact they were ranked in what, like the top 12? State was 7 and 4. I, I, I always thought that was weird. But I thought State had a great chance to win last year because of the way, think about the way they were playing coming into that game. They had had the big comeback against Auburn two weeks prior, and then they had a great game against an FCS team. They were coming in healthy. It looked like they were in good shape. Ole Miss just tore them apart, though. Don't let the the, the ten point margin you know throw you off. State was dominated in that football game. They only had six points with with eight minutes to go. This year, the way they're playing offensively, how can I have any faith that they they can get it done? You know, I, if I if I say I think State's going to win, that's just that that is just me being a homer at that point. That is just me looking at that through the old the maroon and white glasses. Trying not to do that. Trying to do that less. You know. Want to be want to be a quality journalist? Don't want to be a homer like you know that Richard Cross guy. Oh, by the way, he'll be on next week's Thunder and Lightning to uh, preview the Egg Bowl with me. <sighs> this is a huge game for Mississippi State, a huge game for Mike Leach, and, and just a huge game for this football program. They desperately need to win. They have to find a way to win this game. I don't know what that way is. I don't know how they're going to do it. Rob Zombies, he didn't have a plan either. I don't know. So we'll see. We'll see. Massive game, though. Eight days from right now, we'll be kicking off at Vaught-Hemingway Stadium, Mississippi State and Ole Miss in the Egg Bowl to finish off Thanksgiving Day. We'll see what happens. We're going to change the topic. We're going to be a little happier when we come back because we're going to talk hoops. Off to a good start. Can they keep it going? Chris Jans and company. We'll talk MSU hoops when we come back. This is Thunder and Lightning on Super Talk, Mississippi. Super Talk Mississippi. Thunder and Lightning, Super Talk Mississippi. I'm Brian Haydad. Thanks for joining me here. If you want to talk with me, it's simple as can be. Use the ceasefire text line, 601-879-4395. Jeff in Oxford, finally a Thunder and Lightning show with some great content. Love you, man. Jeff's a big old Miss fan. He's happy I'm talking about the Rebels. Talk about them a lot next week uh, with that game. Also, next week on Sports Talk Mississippi, we've got some great stuff lined up. I know Richard talked about it a little bit at the end of the show today, but uh, 
I'll, I'll, I'll give you some teases. I'll give you some names that we are going to be talking to next week from the Mississippi State side. Uh, Richard's still getting the old Miss side squared away. Uh, but he did mention Jim Ellis and Neil Price, so we'll talk to the last two uh, voices of the Bulldogs. Plus, from a player perspective, we have lined up interviews with Desenzo Miller, uh, Vic Ballard, and Nick Fitzgerald. So some great interviews coming your way uh, next week, throughout the week, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, and then, of course, Thursday. We'll have a short show on Thursday as pregame will kick off for both State and Ole Miss across the Super Talk Network. Uh, but we'll give you our preview and our predictions uh, for that game as well. And of course, Thunder and Lightning Podcast will have plenty of Egg Bowl talk as well. Uh, let's talk some hoops. I like what I'm seeing thus far from Chris Jans and the squad. 3-0 and in the season. Uh, three pretty decent wins. Uh, you know, If you go back and look at, at what these teams did a season ago, they weren't they're, the, the team state are playing you know the names may not be the biggest names out there but they are not bad teams by any stretch uh Texas A&M Corpus Christi was a tournament team last year brought back most of the starting roster Akron won the uh the MAC last year I'm not sure if they were in the NCAA tournament or not uh Pine Bluff uh, Pine Bluff kind of Pine Bluff but whatever but they dominated them 80 to 47 was the score on Sunday after a quick turnaround, they were in Philadelphia on Friday for that Barstool Sports Invitational, which was a great success, by the way. And from judging from the uh, the response that I saw on social media, it, those kind of things are going to start becoming a little bit more of a a thing going forward. And, and you got to think with Brandon Walker there with Barstool, Mississippi State could be a part of that. But uh, really well done uh, a tournament and a different, you know, different way of calling games, not not the uh, the usual play by play, a little more gambling focus, a little more fun focus. To be totally honest with you, I thought it was good. But the, you know, you watch that game that State State played against Akron, and I, all I could think was, you know, there was a moment in the second half. State falls behind. They had had the lead at the end of the first half. They fall behind in the second half, and, and you think, you know, a year ago, that's where they would have fell apart, and they would have ended up losing by 10, 15, 20 points. And instead, the opposite happened. State completely took over the game and ends up winning by 19 points. They're shooting the ball now. Look, it's let's let's take. Everything with a grain of salt here. It is so early in the season. It is. Uh, it is. It's only three games in, right? So these stats are kind of you know whatever they are, but they are shooting better than I thought they'd shoot. They're shooting forty-seven percent on the field uh, from the field. Start of the season thirty-one percent from three. That's not great, but it's not terrible. It's not terrible. They're out rebounding their opponents by f- almost thirteen a game. Pretty good. And defensively, only giving up 48 points per game. Now, I know, again, it's only three games. But 44, 54, 47, if you can defend like that, even if you're, even let's add 15 points to all of those, those scores, right? You still win all three games. But if you're only giving up, you know, what is that, uh, 60 points? Uh, I'm not going to tell you what 54 plus 15 is. I think you can figure it out. You can do the math on that. And then 47, 15 is uh, 62. Those are, that's quality defense. That's that's the kind of defense that if you can play it throughout the season, you have a great chance to win to win a lot of games. Uh, South Dakota this weekend on uh, I'm sorry not this weekend Thursday night uh, from the Hump. It's esports night. I don't know what that means. Do I get to play FIFA on the uh, on the jumbotron? Get me get me on the sticks. Let's go. Uh, South Dakota is the uh, the opponent. Eight o'clock tip. Love that. And then they're in the Fort Myers tournament. All those games will be televised on FS1, so you can watch them. Uh, playing Marquette on Monday, 7.30 tip. I assume that's uh, Central Time. Surely it is. 
and then the winner of the Georgia Tech-Utah, or the loser of Georgia Tech-Utah, depending on what state does, uh, on Wednesday. I like what I see thus far, though. I feel like they're pretty good. I feel like you know, Tolu Smith, obviously, is the uh, is the catalyst right now. Uh, he's averaging 18 and basically double-double. He's averaging 18 and 9.3 rebounds per game. He's shooting 77% from the floor through three games. Now, again, again, I know it's early. It's early, but that's an incredible number. I mean, he'd be averaging closer to 20 points a game if he can make free throws. He's 53% on the year. Um, DJ Jeffries is in double figures. Then everybody else, it's kind of just sort of patchwork, right? Shaquille Moore's averaging eight. Cam Matthews averaging six. By the way, for all the transfers and the new faces, those are your four returning guys. And through four game, three games, they're, they're the ones who are your leading scorers. Then you have Deshaun Davis, six, about six points per game. Uh, Sean Jones, who's just a freshman. Eric Reed. I mean, you're not getting a lot of offense just yet. It's, it's, Jans is not afraid to rotate guys. He plays a lot of guys right now. You're seeing a lot of different looks, a lot of different lineups out of him right this second. He's not afraid to go big, go small. Um, it's an interesting. I feel like aesthetically, you know, one of the issues you had with Howland last year was the team was no fun to watch, and he was no fun to watch. And I always feel like I have to preface this when I when I talk bad about coaches I used to cover. Because I really did like Ben Howland. Nice guy. He was always very respectful and, and very nice to me and very, you know, great gracious with his time. But if you recall, like when he would call a timeout, he would call a timeout and then he and his coaches would go and confer by themselves, and then he'd come over with like maybe 30 seconds left in the timeout and, and relay the plan. Chris Jans is coaching. He's coaching the whole time. He's constantly moving. He's like a shark. He can't stop moving. Feel like he's going to sink. So, like I said, I've been very, uh, very impressed with with how he's he's run this team thus far this season. Uh, Jason says I'm very impressed with how flexible the team is already running offensive plays, switching defensive schemes. Howland's team's never adjusted. I I, I I thought about something with Howland earlier today. I remember his opening press conference, and he talked about how his whole career he had been this grinded out defensive coach, and then in his last year at UCLA. He kind of went to more of an up-tempo, get-the-ball-up-and-down-the-court kind of offense. He said, I regret it not going to it sooner. But then his teams at State were grinded-out teams. He didn't have teams that just got up and down the court and played fast. And so I always wondered why. you know, Especially he had teams that had athletes. I mean, could the Weatherspoon brothers, Lamar Peters, uh, Eric Holman was a big who could get up and down the court. Reggie Perry was a big who could get up and down the court. Robert Woodard. I mean, even Abdullah Dew was a guy who could get up and down the court, good athlete. And yet they, they, they were content to play the half-court game in most nights out. This team, I feel like, will do it. It goes back to what, maybe what we were talking about in the first segment about football. This team will see what the, uh, the other team wants to do, and they'll react to it on both sides of the court. I think defensively this team is very good. I think, they, that, I think that can travel. Uh, the, the, the way they've, they've, they, they adjust defensively, the way they press He's he's been a little bit more willing to press than Ben Hallen ever was. Again, it's only three games. It's tough. To, it's tough to when you only have this small of a sample size because you feel like you're seeing good things. But I feel like if I'm just too over the top with the praise, I'm going to look up in like five weeks and they're going to have three losses. I don't think that's going to be the case though. I, I like where this team's going and this and this non-conference schedule. It's kind of set up to, for success, right? Once you get through this tournament, 
You got Omaha, Mississippi Valley State. Minnesota was a game State lost at home a year ago. Now they're traveling to Minneapolis. That's a game you should be able to win. Minnesota was not a good basketball team last year. Jackson State in Jackson at the Mississippi Coliseum. Uh, that's a game you should win. Nichols, uh, Drake. Drake is not a great I – mean, those are non-conference games you can win, and you give yourself a lot of confidence to heading into the opener of conference play, which is uh, December 28th in Starkville, another 8 o'clock tip, Yay. Uh, against Alabama. Big game for, for Jans to me, and I, I will stick with the Egg Bowl theme, but – Howland could never beat Ole Miss in that first game, and it always just sort of cast a, a, a cloud over the rest of the season. You'd have some momentum, you'd have something going, and you'd go and you'd lose to Ole Miss in the first game, and it was just, eh. Saturday, January 7th, Starkville, 1 o'clock tip, CBS national television audience. Should be a pretty good crowd. You play Ole Miss. Can you get off the schneid against the Rebels? That's one of the reasons... Howland wasn't successful because he couldn't consistently beat Ole Miss. Stansbury, I think, was 23-8 and against Ole Miss or something like that. you got to be able to beat them in basketball. Why? It's got even nothing to do with rivalry. That Ole Miss, year in, year out, not a great basketball team. And if any Ole Miss fans get upset at that, look at the records. I'm not telling you anything you didn't know. you got to beat them. So we'll see. I like what I see, though. We'll see what I see Thursday night, 8 o'clock tip against South Dakota. South Dakota State's the Jackrabbits. I don't know what South Dakota is. Their mascot, their little logo is just a red paw. I'll look it up in the break, and I'll come back, and I'll have that answer for you. Don't worry. We're going to find out what South Dakota's mascot is here on Thunder and Lightning. When we come back, eh, we'll do a little playmaker prediction. The playmakers are going to be the young guys, though. That's what we're looking at for Mississippi State and East Tennessee State uh, Saturday, Davis Wade Stadium. Back in just a few. This is Thunder and Lightning here on Super Talk Mississippi. Thunder and Lightning on Super Talk Mississippi. If they call a celebration penalty on this, I'll shoot them. things up here on Thunder and Lightning here on Super Talk Mississippi. I'm Brian Haydad. Thanks for tuning in. If you missed the show tonight or if you just want to hear my lovely voice again, and it's your last chance to hear my voice this week. We're wrapping things up. I'm out. Not in on Super Sports Talk Mississippi for the next uh, two days. Nothing nothing special going on. This is where Richard will be like, what you doing? Well, you know, I'm just going to sit around. I have the days off to take, so I'm going to take them. I will not allow my days off to just fall by the wayside. So, there you go. Uh, what do I expect to see this week in Mississippi State, uh, East Tennessee State? Well, first and foremost, if this game isn't just an absolute blowout, buddy, you're not going to want to miss Monday's Thunder and Lightning podcast. i just put it that way. You won't want to miss Sports Talk Mississippi if State doesn't roll this team by 40-plus. Um, I mean, if you want a prediction, 49-14, is that good enough for you? I'll, I'll go with that. It's 35, but take it. What I want to see 
from Mississippi State this weekend is to get the young guys on the field, specifically Sawyer Robertson. All right, he has become like this great unknown. You haven't seen much of him at all this year. He's only thrown the ball what? I got the stats up here from earlier. Um, I think he's thrown it four times this year. He's four for five for 18 yards. Played a little bit against, against Bowling Green, didn't look great. But, and, and, and I don't, I would not, this is not a game where I'd say I'm pulling Will Rogers super early. I think Rogers needs to play a good bit in this game just to get some confidence. Just that, you know, they talk about sometimes in basketball, you see a shooter just needs the ball to go in the hoop. Same here. He needs to throw the ball 20 yards down the field and watch it go into the end zone. 30 yards down the field, something like that. Well, throw a long pass to Ra Ra or to Caleb Ducking just to get some confidence. He, his confidence right now is, is low. I really feel like it's low. But Robertson and the young guys are the guys I want to see in this game. Defensively, I want to see guys like John Lewis and J.P. Purvis and Javon Banks and Dontari and DeMonte Russell, the Russell brothers. Uh, you know, I want to see, I want to see those guys out there. I want to see Deontay Anderson. I want, I, I want to see these young players. I think State has a, a decent young core, but defensively, they have not done a great job this year of getting those guys onto the field. And Sawyer Robertson, I mean, this is the guy who's supposed to be the future of the program, right? He's only got five attempts here as a, as a redshirt freshman. And with Will Rogers coming back next year, is is that going to be changed? Probably not. I don't know. I don't know what the future of Sawyer Robertson is. But I want to see it. I want to see him on the field this weekend. i like to see him get at least the fourth quarter. And if you can give him a good chunk of the third, do that as well. But do something. I, I mean, I don't expect State to have any trouble with East Tennessee State. As FCS team goes, they're not even any good. I'm sure I'm saying all this to set myself up for a massive disappointment, but no, I don't feel like that's going to happen. It's just different. You know, people like to point out the main game, and I, and I know that that happened, but what State was in terms of budget then versus now, what SEC teams were then versus now, I mean, it's almost eliminated these games. That's why when they happen, coaches get fired. Not gonna, probably, it's not going to happen here in Starville. They'll, they'll get the easy win. They'll be seven and four, and I think that uh, I think that you know they'll go to Oxford next week, and we'll, and we'll just see what happens. You know, Ole Miss will be favored. I'm going to predict Ole Miss to win, unless something crazy happens to the Rebels in Fayetteville. I mean, the kind of stuff that we don't want to talk about happens in Fayetteville. That's the only way. You know, I think State could be favored to win that game. Prior. That's not to say State can't win, and I want to leave y'all with that. You know, I, I sort of talked about it last week with Georgia. It's definitely more in play here. It's not impossible to win the Egg Bowl. Ole Miss is not a dominant team. They're a good team. They're playing at home. They'll have momentum. They'll have confidence. But State beating Ole Miss wouldn't even be like the 50th craziest thing that happened in college football this year. So, you know, get your mind right. We're getting close to that time. Side question, with the departure of Heath via Cowbells, how long is it possible that fans can be Cowbells in the stadium? Means seem trivial. Seems like a gimmick to have Cowbells. To be... Where have you been the last 13 years, Chief? The SEC legalized Cowbells in Davis-Wade Stadium. It's been, it's been the whole time. Malik Heath didn't leave Mississippi State because of Cowbells. If you believe that, well, then I got plenty of real estate for you. I don't know what to tell you. The NCAA is never going to ban cowbells. Just go ahead and let you know. 
you need to just get used to it. So, well, no. See, that's what I'm talking about. Get your mind right. It's already happening. It's already occurring. Two days off. Come back on Monday. It'll be a good week. Monday when I'm back, uh, Sports Talk Mississippi will be at the Visit Oxford Center in Oxford, Mississippi, right off the square to kick off uh, Egg Bowl week. Richard Cross and I will be live. I know that David Kellum, the voice of the Rebels, will join us live on that show. And like I said, I've already mentioned some of the guests. I know that uh, I think I believe Desenzo Miller and Nick Fitzgerald are scheduled from the Mississippi State side on that one. A lot of great stuff. I appreciate you guys being with me. I'll be back on Monday. No Thunder Lightning podcast uh, tomorrow or Friday as well. I'm really fully tapping out. I'll let Rhino run things while I'm gone. Rhino, thanks again for a great show. I'll be back with you guys next week here on Thunder and Lightning. Super Talk Mississippi Media Production.